Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, now all of Locked On. We're going to talk about the Indians today, and we have some things to talk about. Uh, interesting quote from Frankie Lindor that garnered some pub. Take some time to appreciate Shin Shu, Shin Shu Chu. And uh, as promised, we're going to try to dissect who the 13 pitchers are who will make this opening day roster. So without... Uh, Further ado, we'll save the pitching for the second half. Let's start off with the quote from Frankie Lindor. And, I mean, he kind of made said more after this. So it's not like, I just want to qualify that he gave a little bit more explanation. Uh, that he, I got tired and he didn't give it the best in the weight room. And it showed when discussing his last few weeks uh, of the season where his batting average dropped. Now his performance the last few years has been declining he's still a fantastic player do not get me wrong i'm not trying to be like oh the indians are better without lindor that would be a silly silly statement to make but i do get the point of view of not making him a 30 million dollar player when you're the indians if the indians are going to make someone a 30 million dollar player it should be jose ramirez uh ramirez has been the better hitter let's be honest now lindor's complete game with the defensive value he brings at an elite position at shortstop might have given him a little bit more value, but I mean, Jose Ramirez's bat is significantly better. Uh, There might be those out there saying, what about Shane Bieber? It's hard to give a pitcher a high amount of money. Um, I did read an interesting piece and I'm trying to remember who stated it, that the Indians and Bieber really haven't talked extension, but there's plenty of time because he won't even, he's not even in arbitration yet. Uh, I would argue that that is not the case. There is not plenty of time. Uh, the Indians were at this point in time trying to negotiate with Francisco Lindor. And you've kind of already missed your window. When a player is one year out from their first arbitration payday, they're going to start getting money. They're going to start making millions of dollars. Bieber having won a Cy Young, a unanimous Cy Young, uh, he's going to be on track to have some of the largest arbitration figures ever already. Like, that's just how it's going to work. He has been a picture of health. He has been utterly dominant. He is going to get higher arbitration numbers than Lindor had. You need to lock him up now because you're losing all of your leverage as he hits arbitration. Yes, the Indians still have three more years of team control. And that's great. And that gives you trade value. But in terms of... Your the best time to do an extension with Shane Bieber, and if you listen to this podcast for you know the past two years, was I was arguing last offseason when he already looked like he was going to be the ace apparent for this team, uh, that he was already a lot of places considered one of the top ten, you know, pitchers in baseball, if not you know just off that list. Uh, that was the time to do it. The window on it is. And, you know, a lot of people got mad at me when I simply stated there was no way they were going to re-sign Lindor. He was going to bet on himself, and it was very clear. And I was right. And you have to look at how this works anymore. I mean, uh, the Mariners CEO just got fired for making many statements, but uh, one of them was talking about how they couldn't get Jared Kalanick to sign an extension before he hit the majors. He was going to bet on himself. When you were getting that close to free agency, if you're Shane Bieber and you've seen what Garrett Cole has gotten, you see what Trevor Bauer has gotten, would you? why would you give up money? You're three years out. You've already got half of that time done. Uh, and it's not to say that he doesn't like Cleveland, that it's time done, but 
at the end of the day, he is halfway to free agency. He is halfway to the mega payday. Uh, why would you settle for less at this point in time? I, I just, as much as I would love it, um, if I was a gambling man, I would not. Uh, I would not be betting on a Shane Bieber extension. I think they actually kind of missed that window. Uh, let's now switch our gears uh, from Lindor and uh, a little bit about Bieber. Shinshu Chu, underappreciated Indian. Uh, one of those guys always considered one of the most underrated players when he played. He is signing. He's going to Korea, where he's from, signing with the SK uh, Wyverns. And he'll make $2.4 million, which I think I read somewhere is like the highest amount that uh, the largest single season payday in KBO history. Great for him. Uh, great player. Great person. I don't know how many people remember. But last year when there was all the talk about paying minor leaguers uh, out of his own pocket, Chu paid every minor leaguer in the Texas Rangers system $1,000. Uh, that's, you know, a significant amount of money. And I think it speaks so much to him as a player. Really interesting when you look at just the overall data on him. Uh, came over for Ben Broussard. It's part of those fantastic trades where the Indians had an interesting platoon at first base with Broussard and Ed, uh, Eduardo Perez, and they turned it into Estrubo Cabrera and Shinju Chu. I mean, it's hard to find a better set of deals than those two, uh, and it'd be harder to find a worse set if not for the infamous Heathcliff Slocum deal. Or not. Yeah, Heathcliff Slocum, right? Former Indians pitcher, went to the Red Sox, ended up with the Mariners. Uh, that uh, Veritech and Low deal. The Mariners not do not have a strong trade history. But just to dig back into here, I was going through his data. It's kind of crazy that at age 21, he hit 315, 382 on base, 462 slugging, stole 40 bases, caught stealing eight times as a 21-year-old in AA, gets up to AAA, 282, 382 on base, 431 slugging, as a 22-year-old in AAA, and then the Indians are able to acquire him the next year. Can you imagine a 22-year-old performing that well in AAA and then getting traded for a platoon bat? It just shows how things have changed so much since 2006. And for Chu, it's not like he right away, you know, came up. He had his, you know, in 2005 and 2006, he got some chances with Seattle. Uh, 2006, he got 45 games in Cleveland, and this is what's weird about it. 167 plate appearances, so a decent chunk of ch time. 295, 373 on base, 473 slugging, 846 OPS, 119 OPS plus. I mean, that's that's strong performance. And the 2007 Indians, he gets 20 plate appearances. Uh, and that was a team struggling to find outfielders. Remember, Kenny Lofton uh, came back and was a, a pretty important part of that team. And yeah, for whatever reason, Chu did not really get that full-time opportunity until 2008. Uh, arguably his strongest season, only 94 games though. And then he was just fantastic. Uh, 2011, he got hurt, wasn't his best year, but still his down year OPS of 733 uh, would be a godsend to the Cleveland Indians outfield over the past few years. Uh, you know, the arm was spectacular. The defense, not always as great, but he was just an on-base machine who would get you 20 home runs, 30-plus doubles, and steal 20 bases. As I was going through the all-time Cleveland stats for him, I think one of the most interesting things is you're looking at someone who's top 30 all-time in steals. When you look at the uh, the Cleveland Indians just baseball reference leaderboard, Chu is 32nd all-time, nestled between Rocky Calavito and Jason Kipnis. 
And Rocky Calavito is a name that he ends up being right around in a, more than a few rankings. Uh, he's just, you know, one of those underrated players. 37th all-time in offensive uh, war. If you look for, like, the adjusted stuff, his uh, adjusted offensive performance is up there with Roberto Alomar and his time with the Indians. Who is arguably one of the 20, 25 greatest hitters in Indians history. And I don't know if anyone would think about that, would would pull him up as one of those guys. But I mean, he was just remarkably consistent. You go to that all-time list, and he is in almost every category. Not home runs. That was not really his specialty. But everywhere else you go, on base, hits, RBI, stolen bases, speed to power ratio. There he is, top 20 in all of those. Uh, highest ranking, I think, is in hit by pitch. He was sixth all time on that list. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the, I want to get to his speed to power number because I thought this was the most interesting. 13th all time. 12th Julio Franco, 14th Roberto Alomar. And he did have, I mean, it was more doubles than home runs, but he could do both. He would have, I mean, 20 home runs is nothing to, to scoff at, especially as, again, we have seen uh, less than stellar performances in the Indians outfield. Uh, there's Chu who could, you know, hit 60 extra base hits in a season, steal 20 bases, have a top five in the league on base percentage and hit like 290. I, he was, he was a great, great player, really not appreciated. I think as fully as we should have. And with him retiring, it was just that chance to sit back and like, man, he really, he was during a time, we mentioned the cup of coffee in 2006 and then he gets traded away in, was it 2012? I mean, they got Bauer in that deal too, right? Yeah. At 2012, he plays for Cincinnati in 2013. So he, he played kind of in the dark age of Cleveland baseball. Those were not the best years. Those were a lot of high picks in there. And he was one of the few bright spots. And when you're the few bright spot, you know, one of the few players that's fun to watch. Sometimes uh, you don't get appreciated as much. Sometimes you get appreciated more. And it is also interesting for as good as he was, that he had that one All-Star Game appearance. Uh, it's a 35-year-old in 2018. I'm glad he got that. Uh, Shin Chu Chu, probably better than you thought. Under, just a massively underappreciated player. Always, just and not just in Cleveland, always on the most underrated players list. I also thought it was interesting when I went back and looked at that deal that the Indians got a player to be named later. It wasn't just they got Chu for Ben Broussard. They also got Sean Nottingham, who I had vaguely remembered. Uh, left-handed pitcher who had been a day three pick in 2003 for the Mariners. And uh, from Jackson, pitched it. Uh, he was probably actually a top 10 rated prospect at one point. Let's see. In 2004, the left-hander had had a pretty good season in low A. After that, he couldn't really miss bats. Pitched two seasons in Cleveland. But still, they had an interesting left-handed pitcher on top of getting Chu for Ben Broussard. Uh, ben Broussard, for that alone, should be an Indian's great. What a return <laughs> they got uh, for trading him. Uh, I wish Shin Chu Chu nothing but the best. Fantastic player, and more importantly, a fantastic person. Take some time, dig into the stats, uh, appreciate what he did. And again, at a time where there was not a lot to root for, he was something to root for for the Cleveland Indians. Let's take a second and talk about our fantastic sponsors. So Built Bar, I've talked about my love for them. I'm going to be placing an order tonight at midnight. 
Uh, their cookie dough bar is returning. And why am I doing it tonight at midnight? Because I love their new flavors. Uh, I mentioned they sent us a free trial of the uh, coconut fudge brownie. I went to buy some. They're sold out. They just sent us a new one. And I'm going to give you the heads up on this. This uh, peanut butter crisp is fantastic. I wish it was up there already. I wish I could order it now. I I just love Built Bar. Uh, they, I saw they've added to their boosts. And right now you get a free order of boosts if you place an order. And remember when you go there, use the promo code locked on. It is the promo code I use when I order from them because that 20% is the best deal you're going to find when you're ordering from Built Bar. And you should order from them because my little health food thing gives them an A and they're delicious. Uh, I came home and immediately tried a crisp, loved it. I'm fighting with myself because I probably am going to have another one before I go to bed tonight. And I'm like, no, you got to save these because uh, I can't even guarantee I'm going to be able to get them. They, they come and go so quickly. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. It's all great. I, I can't recommend it enough. I immediately hit our group chat for locked on. I was like, are they like, can we say this? I, hopefully I won't get in trouble. Are they like our favorite sponsor ever? And it was, it was uniform. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, will not regret it. Another fantastic sponsor uh, to Built Bar, but you know, not, not quite that level is rockauto.com. I've talked about Rock Auto before because they've been our sponsor for almost a year now. Nice thing about Rock Auto is they are, it gives you empowerment, it gives you information, the power of information. Because in your back pocket, you always know how much you could pay for that piece in your car. I don't know about cars. I can navigate. I can go family-owned business, keep their overhead low, pass you. And when I am looking for a part on my car, when anything goes into the shop now, I open Rock Auto. I look at the price for the pieces that they have. And by the way, it doesn't matter what make, model. It doesn't matter. They'll have multiple choices. And you can see if you are at the right place, if you are getting that right piece. And if you're someone who can fix a car or you know someone who can help you with installation, rockauto.com is just going to save you so much money. Go to rockauto.com, enter that promo code, or don't enter a promo code. I'm sorry. Go to rockauto.com in the how'd you hear about us, put locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indian, some form of locked on. So they know their sponsorship dollars were worth it. And remember, those fantastic sponsors like Rock Auto and Built Bar are what keep this podcast going. Rockauto.com. Tell them that we sent you. Shinshuchu. Just, just another moment. Let's just moment of silence for his major league career. I mean, like I said, it's under so underappreciated. Like he was a bit Joe Carter, right? Like the power speed, not quite the power of Joe Carter, but there's some Joe Carter to him. Uh, actually, his comps before last last thing here, his comps based on his age, Ray Langford, which was one of those. Where I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense with that speed power ratio. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Jason Worth, those. I was like, yep, nope, I can see all those. So let's talk pitching. Uh, you know, so let's start with the debate who the opening day starter is. I'm, I'm joking, of course. Uh, Shane Bieber, as long as he's healthy, I think he's your one. Uh, after that, I please act probably your two, just based on what we saw last year in the postseason and how they set the team up. I don't know if we, if anyone really knows what we're going to get with please hack. Uh, his improvement last year was kind of mind boggling, but. We will see from there. Uh, Sabale is your three who has been just steady and consistent. Uh, maybe not the sexiest arm, but I mean, do you really want the sexiest arm? I mean, he's just good. <laughs> End of story. Uh, honestly, Plesek and Sabali are the guys they should be talking extension with right now. They're the ones who I believe at the end of this season 
would then be one year, you know, they'd be on the cusp of arbitration. And you want to get that extension in before they get there. That is what you need to do to uh, have the best chance of getting those uh, contracts in early. So th those three are set. That's the easy part. From there, what's next? I think you can very safely put uh, Cal Quantrell in there. I know he was a reliever for the Indians, but he was a starter his whole life. Uh, the Indians saw something there. You always want to bet on the Indians to maximize talent. Quantrell, uh, he is service time-wise in line with Plesak and Savali. I, he wants to start. They're going to give him that opportunity. They've been working with him. They believe in him. He's your four. If you listen to Monday's show, I talked about, I don't think Tristan McKenzie actually breaks camp with the Indians. And before anyone out there goes, what? There's very clear reasons for this. The first being over the last two years, he's pitched 33 competitive innings. He missed all of 2019 due to injury Had those 33 innings last year. So you have that where he's, I mean, in his career, let me pull it up. He has broken a hundred innings once 2017, 143. 2018, he had a back injury to start the year, so he only ended up pitching 90 innings because he missed, I think, the first month, month and a half. So he has never had a ton of innings. He's been a slow ramp-up guy for the Indians in general. He is not the biggest guy. He is not built as your traditional you know, workhorse starter. So uh, when you put that all together, they would rather have the innings likely at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. This is a team that has had no problems trotting out you know, Max Morhoff and Eric Stametz uh, and other players at the beginning of the year just to see if there's anything there and uh, to test out and to save guys more for the end of the season. I think McKenzie likely starts the year in AAA. They keep his innings count low down there. Plus, when you keep him in the minors to start the year, that also delays service time, which this is the Indians. <laughs> you can never discount that. And as much as, you know, it, I, in terms of the player, it's not great. For the organization, it's smart. So who's the fifth starter? It could be Pletko. I think likely is Pletko, if I'm being um, honest. He is known to the team. He is a guy who, you know, he's out of options, so he's got to make the, the roster, and he's either going to be your long guy or a fifth starter. Two years ago, in 2019, he had enough starts where he looked like he could be a back-end starter. I remember reading a piece from a New York Yankees blog about trading Clint Frazier for Adam Pletko, and it's one of those things at the time where I was like, I'm not the biggest Frazier guy, but let's do that tomorrow, please. Uh, obviously now no one would do that deal, but it, it is interesting and shows the value potentially in someone like Pletko. Uh, I know over on the trade value site, it gives them a trade value of zero. It, it's not the most exciting profile, let's be honest. Uh, but it's just, it's solid and steady. And as a temporary fifth, he's interesting. Uh, Logan Allen senior, I, I'm going to call senior the one they got in the San Diego trade. Uh, Zach Meisel had an interesting piece on the athletic that uh, the Indians really worked on his conditioning and he's down 15. No, he went from 240 to 205. So he, I mean, he put in the work, the fastball change, I want to say was the combination were always really strong. I always thought he was no worse than a left-hand reliever. And if he comes out and pitches really well, you know, he's already been in the majors in uh, 19 and in 20, they don't have a lefty in that rotation. I think it could be. Uh, I think those are really kind of the six names to look at for the rotation. Uh, Morgan, Moss, and Hentges are probably going to start the year with McKenzie as your AAA rotation. Likely Allen as well. I would say those are the guys there. So if 
Plot goes your five. What's this pen look like? Now, remember, with the change of rules to the 26-man roster, you can only have 13 pitchers. So five starters, eight relievers. Who are the eight relievers going to be? Should I start with closer? I've gone back and forth on closer. I think the closer is going to be uh, Phil Maton. Now, that might surprise some. And yes, I was not always his biggest proponent, but the Indians used him in a lot of high set leverage situations a year ago. He has three years of service time. And remember, closers get expensive. Middle relievers don't. So if you put a Class A or a Karen Chalk into the closer role, they're very quickly going to see their salaries escalate because saves equals money. That's how it works with bullpen. Significant, exponential difference in how much a closer in arbitration will get as opposed to you know, a mediocre closer will get more than the world's best uh, setup man. That's, that's the way it works. And I'm sure the Indians know that. And Karen Chalk will be high leverage, but I don't think they're going to put him any near anywhere near a closer role for that reason. Uh, they've done everything they can to manipulate salaries when they know they're going to be under the gun for money. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would be surprised if Karen Chalk ends up being the closer. And it's the same thing with Class A. So I think those are your, with what Grant, Whitgren are your kind of your setup men. You have those three. Uh, Maton moves to the closer role. And again, if he's great, then you have like two years of control and they can flip him for something. If he's not great, uh, it's, I believe his first year of arbitration was this year. It, it's not a, a terrible situation and they can always change things. But I think to start the year, uh, if, I mean, they trusted him in high leverage situations a year ago. I think it sets them up to try him in that role and to overall to keep costs down while putting a guy they already plan to use in that position there. Uh, those four guys, though, easy easy parts to pick in this pen. Uh, who are the other easy parts? Oliver Perez. They don't really have a lot of great left-handed options in general. So I think Oliver Perez is, you know, a, he's a non-roster invitee. I think he makes the Indians rather easily. So that takes us up to five. So who are the last three pitchers? Uh, Trevor Steffian, who they got from the Yankees. Remember they took him in the rule five. If he doesn't make the roster, they have to offer him back. I believe the Yankees would take him back, uh, especially as a long guy. Uh, they can continue working with him. I was a huge fan of his. I gave him a full first round grade out of college. Uh, he stepped right into the SEC and dominated. Great strikeout, great walk numbers. I did a whole podcast when they drafted him about why he's a fan of his and why he's the perfect guy for the Indians to, uh, to help straighten out a bit and how the Yankees pitching development in general hasn't been great. So I think he is a very safe uh roster candidate so we got two spots left uh in when we're looking at those and you're reading the tea leaves i think brian shaw gets one of them and i know there are people out there like what he hasn't been good since he left tito went out of his way to recruit him shaw has always been terrible in spring training so no matter what he does it's par for the course for him and again tito loves him I mean, this is this is his guy. This is his dude. He is going to fight for him. I think he makes the Cleveland Indians bullpen rather easily because, again, they can carry eight relievers. This is someone Terry Francona loves, trusts, and called up to try to convince him to come to Cleveland. He's making the Indians. So who is that final spot? I think Keith Hembree has a very good chance. Um I think he got the highest amount of potential money of anyone who, if they make the roster, which could also be the biggest negative with him, but also shows the Indians believe in him. 
there's certainly a chance for him. DJ Johnson is interesting that they signed him out of Japan. And, you know, again, this could be a place for Logan Allen amongst the starters. Uh, and then I'm going to throw a name out there. Sam Hentges. This is a player who this will be a seventh season in the Indians minors. He has been around. He has been hurt. And that has slowed his development. He's a massive human. Uh, 6'7", I want to say, or 6'6", six, 6'8". Six, six, and people are talking about that fastball and just how strong it's been to start this year. And let's be honest. Uh, Henkes, as a starter, has been okay in the minors. And there's still some command issues, and there's still not a great third pitch. And he can get out righties and lefties. He's a huge body, big velocity. The pen is just screaming. Uh, he, Everything about him, to me, screams reliever. Put him in the pen. Maybe that fastball that's in the upper 90s plays up even more. Let him be fastball curve in the minors. And you can deal with some of the command issues. You can continue working on those skills. I know someone out there is like, but yeah, if you can do that, why not make him a starter? He missed so much developmental time that that third pitch just really isn't there enough to keep hitters off balance. And when I saw him in the minors, he was always a solid workman starter. Potential 4-5. But as a reliever, I think he's a back-end type. And the value in a 4-5 versus a reliever, when you're the Cleveland Indians, where they are, what they have built, and the pipeline of pitching might be higher currently for that reliever. There's always another set of back-end arms. They have so many arms that I think you have to look at someone like Henkes as a potential for that final spot. Uh, if he has a great spring, you know, Hembree's the guy. He is likely going to be the guy. But I think you look at a Henkes, you look at a Logan Allen, uh, and then with any of these players, you have to talk about, I don't know if I want to call it the elephant in the room, but they could easily bring on a DJ Johnson or a Heath Hembry and a Brian Shaw, you know, all of these players I'm talking about. And if they bomb, who cares? Because the relief depth, Kyle Nelson's on the 40 man. I don't know if he makes the team, but he was, I rated him in the same tier as Nick Sandlin, who will likely be put on the 40-man and make the team at some point this year. Robert Broom could make the Indians this year, who is a, it been a fantastic you know, sidearm reliever, quickly moving through the Indian system, drafted the same year as Nick Sandlin. Uh, Anthony Ghost, I don't know if he's more than a fastball, but it's at least an interesting fastball, and he's near. Adam Scott's another lefty. He's been a reliever for most of his, uh, or a starter for most of his career, but a senior sign who has some potential probably more as a reliever than a starter, but th that's the point. They can try some of these vets out. And if the vets don't work, they have options, they have pieces. And I think that's why we see some of the vets first. That's why if you're out there like, so who are your final eight? <laughs> okay. Maiton, class A, Karen Chalk, Whitgren is kind of that tier one. Your next four, uh, because I, uh, Stefian, who has to make the team, I have Pletko as a starter and Quantrell as a starter. So you have, let's see, that's my first five there. Oliver Perez is six. Heath Hembry, seven. Brian Shaw, eight. I think that is what we're seeing going forward. That is my attempt at projecting the Indians pitching. Tell me what you think. Uh, am I crazy to think that they'll start with McKenzie in the minors? Who do you think is going to make the team? Do you have anyone out there that uh, you think I am way off on or I need to talk about more? You know, we haven't had too much of a chance to see some of these young kids but know that the relief in the minors is probably as strong as it's been in my 10 years of covering the Indians. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked on Indians podcast. 
Remember to rate and review, download daily. All of that is so important. We're moving up the charts. I'll be honest, we had a really good month, but we still need to get into 10th place. The Tigers got knocked out of 10. It's now the Brewers. So that is the team we are chasing to be 10th amongst the MLB podcast here on Locked On. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And for our next year, at least, go Tribe.